Hey everybody, welcome back to Game Master's Getaway. I know it has been a really long time since we have posted anything. Uh, Between technical difficulties, winter storms, power outages, just general, the, the general apocalyptic nature of life at this moment, we haven't really gotten anything out. So here it is, we're back, yay! Listen, tonight we talk about new players, how to get them, how to keep them. We talk about uh, old players, the new systems. Um, Of course, we have to, you know, talk shit about 5e a little bit, and then we are out. But it was a really good talk. Me and the guys hadn't been able to speak for a while just due to circumstances, so it was really fun for us to get together. Thanks for joining us. I'll catch you on the other end of this thing. doing all right man doing all right it has been a day let me tell you <laughs> yeah yeah just all of a sudden out of nowhere family stuff crept up so yeah that was crazy how was your weekend man uh it was fun uh let's see what did i do this weekend um did you go uh, yachting with your lawyer buddies Don't oh no i'm not that kind of a lawyer uh, <laughs> <laughs> um no, let's see. Let's see. I played. Uh, I, I have my one last five E game. Uh, that's we're using the Dragon Heist module. We do that every other Friday night. It's kind of like a low key session with a friend and his wife and brother in law and another yeah. friend of mine. Um, and then I've been playing this game called um, Mothership. It's Dude, like this. I in- saw your post. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and I've been doing. I did that on Saturday night, and that's a lot of fun. It's like an old school kind of feel. Tuesday night games, like published it a couple years ago. It's just like fifteen bucks for a pamphlet. Like, is it a, it's, it's an RPG. It's yeah, a- yeah, and you can get and they and they let you have the PDF for free off their website. I mean, it's a cool little little game, sci-fi game. Uh, I've been really enjoying it, uh, but yeah, that's that's pretty much was that was my weekend for the most part. But I think uh, I have figured out. I think when I was coming back home from the gig, uh, in my head, just thinking, I think I figured out the one die roll combat system that does oh, yeah? everything. I do. I'm gonna have to cut this part out because I don't want somebody to steal it from me. But are you ready? Yeah. Everybody declares their actions what they want their character to do, right? Everybody rolls a D20. Not because it's a lower score, right? It's a roll under system. So let's say you're hitting with a sword, you're using your strength, minus, you know, whatever that other person's defense rating, whatever you want to call it is, right? So you got a strength of 16, you got a defense rating of four, you got a roll under a 12, okay? Okay. But that one die roll, everybody rolls at the same time. The lowest number wins initiative. Although I was going to say the highest number wins initiative because that would give the weaker players like a way out of stuff. Okay. We'll, have, we'll figure that lowest number rolls initiative, roll under it's a hit, subtract your die roll from the target number, and that's your effect. And everybody rolls at the same time. Wow. So let's see here. Uh, let's see. I'm just like doing, I'm just running the numbers in my head. So if you have someone with a strength 18, 
hitting the same target with like a armor rating four. So he'd have to roll a sixteen. Well, person with a person. Well, let me just walk it out. So we're talking out here. So a person with a strength twelve would have to roll an eight or below. Um. Oh, okay. So then, like someone who rolls, I'd say both of them roll a two. The person with yeah, the person with the eight or below would do six points of damage. And the person with the 14 or below would do 12 points of damage, but that makes sense because he's got the higher strength. Right. Oh, that's interesting. (laughs) That's, that's really interesting. (laughs) You like that? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, and here, I need to tell Brian. Hey, Brian. Hi. What's going on, Brian? Hey, I was just, I don't mean to interrupt. I'm excited. I don't have, I, I was just telling Matt, that I think I figured out the one die roll combat system. The right. one die roll combat. You know, one I, die one die roll does this, it all. Does this mean that you just need one dice? No, because every player rolls a die at the same time, and the GM rolls a die for each bad guy at the same time. Okay, and here's how it works. You ready? It's a roll under system, right? So let's say you're trying to hit somebody. And you have a strength of 14, okay? And their defense rating is like four. So you gotta be you gotta roll under a 10, right? And it is roll under, it's not match, it's roll under. So you gotta roll, you gotta roll under a 10. Everybody rolls at the same time, right? So like one person's gotta beat a 10, one person's gotta beat a seven, whatever your your strength score is, minus the defense. Everybody rolls at the same time. And from Star Wars X-Wing initiative, the lowest roll I was going to say wins initiative, but since the lower roll is the more success, I think the higher roll wins initiative to give the weak characters a way out. But we'll figure that later. But you roll a die, let's say you roll a two, right? And you had to beat a 10. So let's say you win initiative because we're doing lowest roll, right? And then you subtract the difference from your, your the roll, the difference from your, from, from your roll to the target number is the effect, is the damage or the work or whatever you want to call it, right? So everybody rolls at the same time. You know who's one initiative because everybody declares their action before the turn starts. Everybody rolls. You see who won initiative, how much damage was done in one roll. I'm a big fan of declarative initiative. I've been thinking about how I can bring it into my game. Mm-hmm. So you got me there. And if it keeps me from getting in dice fights with my wife in the last 30 minutes, because there you go. she's like, no, I want your dice. I'm like, no, those are my dice. And she, I literally have had to fight her off for my dice in the last 30 minutes. Uh, <laughs> she's like, if you love me, you'll buy me another set and make sure. Anyway. So yeah, mm-hmm. one dice to solve domestic domestic problem. Yes. Everybody has their own D20. And the other thing I was thinking is that if you do a system where you're only going to get to like level 10, then like instead of getting a bunch of bonuses and numbers you have to add, maybe like at level three, you get a second die and you get to pick which one you're going to use or something like that. You know what I mean? You can get more dice. It'd be a ton of dice on the table. They'd be clattering everywhere. Anyway, I'm just saying one die roll does initiative, determines whether you hit and calculates damage. Yeah. I mean, um, worth worth giving it a shot. Can't be oh. uh, any more. Uh, um, I mean, it's it's 
definitely different from what's I think there's only like one role under system right now. Black Hack, uh, maybe is that it? I don't know. Well, there's a lot of OSR stuff that does roll under, but where they screw it up is they 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 try to add like Thaco or Thaco or whatever you call it, and they and they always add something. You know what I mean? And the way I'm thinking is like an NPC would have a defense rating and an attack rating, and that would be it. Because even I said the GM rolls for. Uh, See, if you don't do it like that, if you do it standard initiative, then the GM never rolls because in the character who didn't win initiative, they're being attacked, they have to use their turn to dodge, right? Who knows? But if you do initiative at the same time, and let's say you give, if it's roll under to succeed and the lower your number is, does more damage, I was thinking kind of like X-Wing, you could uh, reverse the initiative so that the higher roll actually wins initiative. Right, and you might maybe your weaker players can squeeze out of a tight. I don't know. I'm I'm still working on it, but I, it's one roll, three different, one 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 roll for three different things you need, and everybody rolls at the same time. I think it would be fun. To so see. it so it has the narrative type of aspect a little bit. Well, see, that's the thing. That's what I was thinking. Let's say you have to hit a set. You have to beat a seventeen. You got a character who's like really good, right? And let's say you roll really low. You have like 13 hits, okay? Maybe you could spend those hits to activate a crit. You would do less damage, but you could roll on the crit table and see what happens. Or maybe you could use those hits, like say in the narrative dice from Genesis, you could use those hits to activate special abilities, uh, weapon qualities, you know what I mean? Like auto fire. You You can spend three of those 12 hits and you know, activate auto fire, hit more than one target. Right on. Or you, there could be a certain number of hits that you could spend to maybe help your buddy. Who, like, let's say you got a buddy who's got to be like a, you know, a, he's got to roll under a seven, you know, to stay alive. You could transfer some of those hits over to your buddy, as you can call it, like help. You know what I mean? In fact, as far as actions go, now that we're talking it out, you could spend all of your hits in more strategic ways if you wanted. Right? Throw out a little of your buddy who's about to fall off the cliff. You just helped him. I don't know, man. I think I'm onto something. I think I'm onto something. But that's just me. So you might be onto something because that's kind of how Alien works. If you uh, is it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, damn it! No, no, but this is a little different. So you have to. It's all six sided dice, right? So. Uh, let's say you're in hand-to-hand combat, all right? So you're doing a melee attack. So it'd be your strength score plus your close combat skill, and that those two numbers together equal how many six-sided dice you roll. And if you have any stress dice, you add that in there too, okay? And for every six you roll on a D6, that's a success. So technically, you just need one to be successful to punch the guy. However, right. if you roll more D6s, you get stunts. And that's where, how, uh, this is how I think of it, that's where I turn it over to the players. And I say, okay, what happens? You know, you got some stunts. Yeah. You want to do extra damage. You want to grapple. You want to, you know, knock the guy down, you, you know. Uh, and I think that's cool. I'm, I'm looking forward to trying the system out in a more uh, campaign-style play versus uh, one-shot, one-shot horror, yeah. you know, I kill everyone kind of way. Okay, so we've been doing this for 10 minutes, and we just started in, not even on our topic. So let's, (laughs) hey, everybody, welcome back. I'm Gary, got Matt and Brian, and uh, 
tonight we are talking essentially about new players, correct? How to find them, how to attract them to the game, how to engage them when they're in the game, how to keep them in the game, new players. So, Matt, you brought this up, correct? This was your idea? Yeah, um, I got thinking about it uh, partially because of some communication I've been having with like uh, my beer and pretzel group, uh, the Thursday night guys that I actually haven't been playing with in about, oh, geez, almost four months now. Um, mm. well, just, you know, I've been busy, burned yeah. out, yada, yada, yada. And I'm just like, this this game is just not fun for me right now, guys. I got to take a break. Uh, but we've been talking. And they're, they've been saying things like, well, we'll play whatever system you want to play. Um, oh, get the front. Really? They said well, that. I, I I think I think there's uh, well this this is one of the reasons why I started thinking about this because two of the players are new to gaming um, uh-huh. and I think they're really more into it for the social aspect like you know we've been quarantined they just want to hang out right. um, and um, you know I played with them before you know face to face but for a, a couple of years and then this happened and anyway long story short I think I think for them it's more of a social thing um, okay the other well, I think this is. Oh, sorry, I was just saying the other two are your more, you know, tactical, you know, um, min-max type players. Like they really get into seeing how the nuts and bolts of the system works. That's why they love fifth edition. So, uh, while I'm deeply flattered by their comment, um, I'm somewhat skeptical. But that being said, I posted a video from Matt Colville that he did a couple years ago on. Um, just kind of talking about the West Marches style game. It's something I've been thinking mm-hmm. about for, I would say, a couple months now. Uh, it would be a great way for me to run a game uh, and have everyone I've played with be involved. And I, instead of managing four or five different gaming groups or whatever, I'd have one. Uh, but it would be the West yeah. Marches style kind of game. So anyway, I've been thinking about it. I posted that up. All of a sudden, they're like, yeah, this seems interesting, yada, yada, yada. And all of a sudden, I'm kind of like, oh, are you guys really interested in playing a new type of uh, game system? Um, and so I mentioned, yeah, I don't know if I'd want to do fifth edition with this. And um, as expected, a couple of the, play- the, 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 the social players are like, oh, that's cool. And the other players are like, yeah, but... You know, it's a but we spend a lot of money on pretty books. Here we go again. Here, same fucking conversation. Okay, before we get into this too much, I want to preface this by saying that um, there is a young lady who said, I'm gonna listen to your podcast. She doesn't play role playing games, and I like her a whole lot like crazy, like her. So, since we're talking about new players, the first thing I would ask, and I would ask Brian. Somebody who has heard the words Dungeons and Dragons, right? They've heard the words. They don't really know what it is. They probably know what a role-playing game is from video. No, I don't think she does. I don't think she plays. I don't think she she probably hasn't touched a video game in years. So she probably doesn't even know what a role-playing game is from that, right? But you want her to sit at your table because she's really cute. Which is pretty sweet. So, Brian, how do you explain role-playing games? Well, I mean, you hit on almost every girl that I've brought into games. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, I, 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 I've probably 
I, I, at one point I did like a, like a, a checkoff of how many, somewhere around like, tw like in the mid twenties of how many girls I've gamed with. Um, I can tell you a very common bond is so much of it was like it, the collaborative, creative uh, storytelling that imagine um, your ability to influence and shape a story with others. Um, I didn't, I, I, I yeah, never went to the crunch. Deep. Never. Really you don't, you don't talk about crunch. The minute you start talking about moving these pieces around in five foot squares um, and, and, doing all these things it can be how can i put it it can be super geeky if you're explaining the minis aspect and that can be a real turnoff because you're talking about something that doesn't necessarily you're trying to connect right you're trying to get their interest you're not going to do that about talking right, about right. the tangibles you're going to get that by talking about the intangibles and so when you get an idea of what a person finds inspirational which that's a whole different topic, but that's how you learn about your players. Like what, 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 what is it that, uh, so you start with simple stuff, which you have this as an end, which is music. Music can really give you an idea of how to vet players, what sort of game you want to create. Uh, music, it, it just goes hand in hand. Uh, you know, if someone's yeah. listening to Trent Reznor, they're going to want to play a different game than somebody who is, uh, you know, I don't know, Bob Seger fan. I don't know. It, there's, you, so yeah, yeah. I think that finding out, but what do you, I tell, tell when she says, when she says, when yeah. she comes yeah. to you and she says, Hey, what's this yeah. Dungeons and Dragons? That My you staple line is yeah. think of it as a collaborative narrative between people that are talented. So it's, it's, it, it's kind of, okay. it's, it's improvisational with uh, some fate and randomness and it's you playing someone and choosing things that you normally would never do in the real world. So, you're never going to believe this, but I would not go about it that way. Anyway, <laughs> Matt, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'll get to him in a minute, and and I could be, I could be completely wrong, and we let's argue about it. It's been no, no, uh, Matt, um, I don't say? know if I'd go because, uh, well, I think. Brian, what you said is as accurate um, in terms of especially the how what I know of your GM style. Um, I think it's a little heady too, you know, uh, when you're talking to somebody. I don't want to over intellectualize it. Just say like, look, it's a game where you take on the role of something. And, you know, I'm a fantasy guy, so I'll probably say you take on the role of like a magic user or a warrior of some kind, you know, and then maybe make a reference to a the movies, right? You, you watch Lord of the Rings, you watch Conan, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and we roll dice to determine whether you succeed at the things that you want to do. But, you know, we tell stories and we talk to each other and we use the dice to help us uh, resolve the, uh, you know, uh, the issues. Um, but I, mm -hmm. uh, but at the, but I do agree. I wouldn't go. And then, and then I got this really cool miniature of Conan that I painted myself. <laughs> yeah. And I based him in everything. Yeah. And I got this great dragon mini. No, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't use minis, so I can completely, like, I don't think I've touched a mini since like I was Ivan Vidge. So um, I, I think that Brian's answer is for somebody that you already know pretty well, right? Like to me, and I could be wrong, but to me, it sounds like 
what Brian is, he's doing this big picture sort of creative, hey, well, we just get together, we tell stories, there's some dice, it's social, you know, and, and he's, you know, it was real heady. And I might do that with somebody who I think is already prone to be. Well, can I rewind like my that? explanation for Maybe? a second? <laughs> because, you know, yeah, go ahead, that's go how ahead. I explain it now. The way that I did in yeah. my 20s and such was a lot more of I wasn't trying to sell them on the game. I was trying to express how much I would really enjoy if they'd be willing to play a game with me. Um, and so I made it about them. Yeah. And it was about things that I, I thought were, man, you're, you're very inventive. You know, you, you've got this whole, uh, I, I don't know, like there's this one chick, she was heavy in the Sarah McLaughlin. I played the whole, you know, what is it? The freaking building a mystery and all that stuff. Another girl was in a Tori Amos, you know, she was, she was a Renaissance festival girl. Yeah. I'm like, Oh my God, you're such a natural for this. Like it was about them. It was not about the game. So yeah. you're right with people that I know now, because so many people know how much I game at work, people I train with friends and family, everyone, everyone that knows me, knows me as a gamer. The way I explain it now, I can, I can get by with that explanation. But if I was starting with someone I didn't know, I would find out what it is that I really like and enjoy about them and ask them if they would consider, because I would love to see their input. I'd love to see them play the game. I think it'd be very entertaining. So that's how I would handle it. Yeah. Gotcha. So I, I, and I think in the past, I don't really go looking for new players. One, because, ugh, I mean, it just, you got to explain everything all the time. You have these questions. Anyway, I'm just kidding. But I don't really go looking for people who have never played before. But as a kid, I do know that the way I explained it was I said, imagine you're reading a book and I'm the guy that's, that's writing it. I'm the guy that's doing all the narration. And when it comes to a character, one specific character that you've, let's say you've created this character, you get to say what he does in the book. And the dice are there to figure out if you get there or not. And that's kind of was my pitch. Especially if I was a kid playing like the Marvel game, it would always be like, yeah, it's like the comics. I'm going to tell you what's happening around you and you're going to have a character and you get to decide exactly what that character does. And there's a lot of people and it's a lot of fun. And I don't know that I remember now. I remember it, it took a second because the more you started talking about, it, I remember how I originally described this to the first, you know, batch of not just girls, but people that were new to the hobby. And I called it choose your own adventure with dice. And I, that worked. That worked a lot. Yeah. So that, that yeah. was my easiest one. Exactly. It, it took yeah. me a while. Choose your own adventure. That's a, that's a good one. So when you, Matt, when you were, um, talking about you know new players let's say you you've got a new player right you've kind of explained they're willing to come over and hang out drink beer eat pretzels and see what's going on what then how much of your session do you let's say let's say it's just one new player in a group of vets right how much of your session do you devote do you want to focus towards that new person like how do you go about how do you how do you work with the brand new player in game, it's a first game. Um, that's a great question. Um, well, uh, most recent in recent memory, uh, it would be 
there were two new players. So um, the focus really was of that entire session was on them where like previously, if it was just one player um, yeah, I'd still kind of guide them through, you know, decision-making and what dice to roll and things like that um, while kind of, you know, sort of breaking character and reaching across the dungeon master screen to be like, you know, it's okay to think about it this way. You might, you know, give them little prompts and whatnot. Um, but with the most, uh, the the two social players that I was just talking about, they um, they just wanted to know what they they said. Well, this is what we wanted. I want to play this. You know, can I do that? It's like yeah. And then I kind of guide them through character generation. Um, I similar uh, to Brian, I kind of get an idea of like what kind of player they're going to be. Try to gauge them uh, as you know as quickly as I can, as thoroughly as I can, and then sort of play to their interests. Um, of course, you know, I'm not perfect so that I get, you know, I'm, I, I make adjustments as a session, the next sessions go on, you know, later sessions. Um, right. But I don't make it completely about them because I, well, yeah, I mean, you just, well, you yeah, you can't. Um, um, and at the same time, though, I don't want to create sort of like a crutch where, you know, I want them to be able to stand on their own relatively quickly and um and i think that's one of the reasons why fifth right. edition has been so successful because it's, it's like it's laid out there you have some fun bells and whistles to play with right out the gate and it's a you know you just got to roll a d20 you know uh and um yeah uh, so for for when i was thinking about this particular topic i was also thinking in terms of like what to do with new players who have gotten involved with our role-playing games through fifth edition, how do you introduce them to other systems? Um, which I think is a more nuanced right. topic and we can come back to it, but. Well, we're definitely going to get there because we're going to convince all your oh, players. Oh, God, God bless you. God bless you. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, no, but that's kind of what I do. Like I try to play up to their strengths. Like for example, I know um, my one friend, Mark, uh, He's a, he's a colleague. We worked together, uh, smart as a whip. Uh, and in college, he was a theater major turned lawyer. Um, and uh, he likes doing this, like, break the fourth wall type character, uh, which up until now, I always found annoying. But he does it so well that, like, I just let him do it. And and, and we feed into it and, and we play with his character and allow him to do it you know um where he fails though is that mm -hmm. he still hasn't learned the game so he's constantly dying because he's not doing things you know quote unquote right you know um right uh but i but i think that might be just um which we can get into later i think it's just because i think he would thrive in an osr game something a little more rules light Right. Similarly with uh, Stacy, the other social player, like she's very like, this is what my ranger does. Um, she's ironically, she's playing a tabaxi, a cat person ranger. Um, and this is what, this is what my character. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of an inside joke amongst the OSR. Sorry, We're all ahead. playing cats now anyway. Um, but she, 
and she's very linear. She doesn't think too far outside. She's not like getting into the tactics. And um, she, she even admits, she's like, I still Mm -hmm. don't really know how to play this game. And Brian, to a point you've made previously on this podcast, we're getting, they're at like sixth, seventh level, the complexity is starting to, you know, build. So I I think she, if she likes role-playing games and the social aspect of it, I think she would thrive in an OSR setting. Contrast that to the other two players. Um, I think they'd get bored because there's not enough bells and whistles for them to play with, you know. But, but anyway, kind of digressed. Yeah. I, I I focus on them, try to give no, them what you, they want, but I, I don't would, give them too much because they got to be able to stand on their own two feet within a session or two. Right. So I find that um, during character, I, I really don't explain a lot of rules. And I really don't. Um, I explain rules as they come. You know, like we'll be doing character creation and I'll be like, well, obviously a higher number is, but you know what I mean? I'll give those kind of things. And I'll, I'll, I'll sort of glance over the rules at that point. I'm like, yeah, this is going to determine how many of these mm-hmm. dice you roll. You know what I mean? Or, or whatever. Um, and then as the game progresses and we get in more situations, they say, I want my character to do this. Then I'll be like, okay, well, that's going to be this kind of check. And we're going to find your number. You know what I mean? And that's when I, but I'm not playing fifth edition where you got to get on a calculator. You know what I mean? And figure out a bunch of stuff or Pathfinder or whatever it is. You know, I'm playing fairly, what I think is a really simple, <laughs> really simple game. Some may disagree, but I find them to be pretty simple. Um, so, and as far as the actual game goes, one thing that, that I was thinking of as soon as I asked you this question some people are not going to want to be the center of attention at all in their first game. You know, you're going to have that shy player maybe, um, or that player who's just a little timid. You know what I mean? What is this? This dude's acting out all these characters. Oh, right. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> everybody's rolling dice and what's the funny voice, for? you know, and all that. So, um, I, I try to make it low pressure, but every once in a while, you know, you'll get somebody new who just kind of jumps in and gets, they're just excited and they want to go. Another thing about the rules is a lot of times, even with players who are veterans, I don't really bring the rules up a lot. You know, in that game that we play every other Sunday, pretty much people tell me what to do, what they want their characters to do. And then in my head, I'm kind of like, okay, well, that's a maneuver and that's an action, you know? I don't really say it. I just you know, well, this is you're you touching to. upon a really interesting you know. point. Uh, sorry, Brian. I hope I'm not monopolizing too no, much time good. here. Um, as a new player to Star Wars, um, I can tell you, I every session, every game session, I learn something new about the game, and it's it's really just listening to you and your veteran players go back and forth and discuss this stuff, um, like going, you know. When we fell from the wire or whatever it was, I knew that was going to be bad. I didn't know how bad, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I learned something new, um, such that I was able to pull myself out of the fire. And I was like, "Oh, I had an advantage. Can I use that to stay conscious?" You know, uh, and I felt, yeah, yeah. I, I felt very yeah, that's that co- at that point. I felt like I'm yep. starting to get it, you know. Um, and I think that kind of is something to maybe learn from like you know when you bring in a new player to your gaming group you know uh maybe pull your veterans aside and just let them know hey 
go easy on this new newbie or help me out kind of, you know, help them out if I'm like distracted or something, you know, get them involved in um, sort of uh, educating the newbie on the system or, or at least at the very least making making sure they feel comfortable um, doing whatever it is they're doing. Well, I, that's that's true. I think another thing that makes people feel comfortable, and I don't know if you've noticed this, but a lot of times if I'm if I kind of know what the ruling is supposed to be, but I'm a little unsure, I will ask a veteran right. player, "Hey, yeah. man, what do you think?" And I th- and I think that kind of lowers the tension at the table for everybody feeling like they have to memorize these freaking four hundred page you know hardback. <laughs> textbooks you know if because i pretty much know it you know once you know the core whatever so i think that kind of lowers tension as well everybody oh i don't have to be perfect you know i think that helps brian do you ever have a point where you find the rules when, when you're dealing with a new player right do you how do i say it how fast do you want them to know the rules and do you think it's a detriment if they just don't care? It's two very different questions. Um, you know, yeah. It is. It is. One so the, the rule piece, and we were kind of segueing into, into like the second part. Like the first one was sourcing new players. How do you articulate the game to draw their attention? And then as you and, like, and Matt was talking, like now we're talking, you know, in game, those early sessions. Um vetting your veterans to make sure that they're going to create a culture of enablement that's going to make it conducive for that person. Cause nobody likes feeling like the least experienced person at anything. It's very rare. Maybe it's not, maybe that's the wrong word. Right. Maybe it's not, nobody likes it. Everyone is uncomfortable. <laughs> Everyone is uncomfortable being the least experienced person. Um, right. So, you know, like rules set, you were talking that learning rules in game. First off, people learn, so much quicker when it comes to any type of gaming than they did 10, 20, 30 years ago. So someone just by watching the veterans, Mm -hmm. they pick up real fast and you don't have to handhold. But at the basis of all of this discussion, whether it's engagement or retention, it's all about establishing trust. You've got to create an environment where your new players can trust that they're not going to look silly or feel stupid because they don't know the rules and everybody else does. They're not going to feel inadequate because they can't deliver their part of the experience because they're playing a part. It might be a smaller piece of the pie than some of the other players at the table, but they're bringing something. And there is that moment when all eyes are on them or somebody's trying to explain doing that safe zone trust, like what you're talking about with having your veteran players facilitate rule situations. Cause you want game flow flow. It's got to flow. And the minute that, that, that you lose that flow, a new player doubt will creep in. Um, so that pacing and flows, by the way, I would never take a new player through a five, six or seven hour session. Dude, you're talking two hours. Do not – that's the problem too because veteran veteran players, they like yeah. to play. That's why they're veterans. So it's like, no, guys, we're not going to yeah. play our typical four-and-a-half, five-hour session today. We got player A or player B that's new or both player A and player B. And we're you know trying to you know add a couple new people to the party because I'm tired of running with you three bastards. Um, but let's do – we're going to do like a three-hour 
at right. most two to three hours. So you could you because if you keep them in, then they start to feel like a prisoner of the experience. Um, so I wanted to cover all that because both of y'all were really saying some really cool stuff. Uh, uh, thought space tennis, and I wanted to get in there and hit a ball. Uh, go back to your question because I completely lost it. <laughs> Uh, there was how soon would you like them to know the rules, and is it a detriment if you have a player All right. who on the rules doesn't set, care? There, the, the, one of the best parts about these games, besides I don't know what the hell that is, which is what I love about Lamentations of the Flame Princess's conjuration system. Um, the <laughs> you know where I'm going, you know. But one of the beautiful things about the tabletop role playing experience is the unknown, the sense of discovery. Man, it's okay to let it be a slow drip on rules. Like it's okay for them to kind of learn that at a, at a comfortable mm -hmm. at a comfortable pace. If I'm working with somebody who's brand new to jujitsu, I am not going to throw out five or seven techniques in a two or three minute roll. I'm going to just do like one or two positionals, and we're just going right. to work from there because I got to earn their trust because they're nervous, they're scared. It's no different with gaming. With gaming, you just take it slow. They get to learn and pick up at their pace, and it's just a steady drip. Learn the rules in-game. Super cool. This is just how we're programmed. I mean, role-playing games from a video game standpoint, it's a tutorial. You, we we want to jump in and play the game. So people have pretty much accepted the fact that you'll almost always hear this, I learn by actually doing it so you have experiential learners you have auditory learners uh you have visual learners obviously inside there's different learning styles but when it comes to tabletop role-playing games especially the mechanics with it which sometimes can be very convoluted very crunchy or sometimes can be so loose that it requires a certain amount of imagination that takes time to cultivate um less is more slower is better um now disengagement and with a new player and you just know that there's something not working. That probably is a, okay. Okay, good. Well, not disengagement, sorry. Let me rephrase that. When I said they just don't care, they just don't care about the rules. Because I've with had two situations in the past six months with new, play, new players to okay. a system, not new players to games in general. But new players, new players to a system, um, where they were having fun and they were contributing, but literally words out of their mouth were I, I'm, I don't I don't even care about. So them. yeah, if you hear that you statement I mean? uh, so, and you still see them smiling and having fun, enjoy it. They trust you. They're letting <laughs> you have the reins to the chariot, um, and. That comes with time. If they're still showing up, they're still engaging. And, and if it comes down to, hey, just tell me what you want to do. And you adjudicate it however you do. Uh, and this is tough, by the way, for DMs who are crunchy. And they love rule sets. And that's like they're, they're all about the reality or the, the simulationist approach of DMing and GMing. Um, that can kind of put those DMs or GMs on their heels. You've got to be cool with the fact that your players are telling you what kind of game they're enjoying. They want fast and casual or loose and casual. They want a loose, casual game. So it's up to you to start yeah. playing that that beat. They don't need classical uh, Mozart. They want, you know, some some jazz. Yeah, yeah whatever. Yeah. 
They just want hair metal, candy rock, whatever. They just want bubble gum. So if they want bubble gum, let them blow bubbles yeah. and translate. Well, your bubble was this big. And when you popped it, it did this amount. They'll be like, cool. All right. Um, so, yeah, I, I think you just run with it. Yeah, word. I do, I do find you will have to with those players, though. You will have to tell them things like, hey, if you do this – there's a really good chance that your characters right if they're if they're not if they're not if they're not connecting or taking the time to be invested within the mechanical aspects of how it relates because their character matters still their character is is a part of a group so there's a detriment still there too so yeah you do let them know cause and effect consequences and such. Then, if I see them still acting like, and, 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 so that's a tilting point, right? Now, now that if they're going to start acting like asses, like I don't care, and they start doing reckless shit, and they're just you know fucking scorched earth play. I, no, I don't. No, I'll, I'll I'll just be like I'll, I'll just fucking drop a comment on them or something. I don't know. Right. Be like, hey, hey, go 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 get us some beers or something. I don't, mm-hmm. I, I don't have too many of those situations, but if I have a situation where a person yeah. is showing an absolute lack of respect for the system and the role that they're playing. Not their character, but the role that they're playing with the group because it's a it's a communal experience. Ugh, yeah, I mean, I'll be cool about it, but I'll find a way to go ahead and nuke them. Uh, you know, so it, it's just yeah. you know, right? Yeah. You know, it's not working. Like, hey, it's not you, it's me, <laughs> or whatever. And you know, you just you, it, it just wasn't their cup of tea. Yeah. But if it's a veteran player. Uh, no, you don't get a pass. If you're a veteran player, you come to the table with a certain amount of veteran responsibility. And I expect you to still bring a sense of commitment and involvement and engagement because you're not a rookie. You know how the games work. You know what's expected, what's needed. Uh, that would be, I would really take, I would, I would really be very disappointed in someone if they did that. You know what I mean? I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, you know, there was a bit of disappointment both times when it happened. But I'll also say that this, both of those players That's enough. were really in the You can run with that. You know what I mean? And and I was able, yeah, and I was able to be like, hey, you know, like I say, give those little warnings. Like, look, man, you your character can try to take this action. But you have a giant rancor. Charges. Was it in Star Wars? Was it in a known IP or was it in something that's creative? That's it. Uh, one was a Genesis game, a Genesis one shot about six months ago. And then one was in a Star Wars game. Yeah, it was in another Star Wars one shot that I ran a while back. Um, but, but like I say, they were engaged. Now, I would not, I don't know, it's not about allowing that to happen. I would just start telling them the way things worked. By session two or three, they're going to have to know. Because in any game you have, there is that character advancement. And, you know, there there are the bells and whistles. And I would probably start pointing things out. You know, hey, you, you might need to look at this. You know, just because it, it's getting pretty wild. And you need to know what your character yeah. is capable of. Statistically, yeah, I, I want to interject here on that. Whether it's a veteran player or a new a newbie, um, you know, at the end of the day, as a game master, you know, we're adjudicating what we're adjudicating with the rules as our guide at the very least. And if you have someone that's totally going in like they're improv theater, 
uh, and don't really care about the dice. Don't you know I, that that can create problems down the road because you start having inconsistencies uh, built in. I look at it from from you know the perspective law. You know when a judge makes a ruling in a case um, in that jurisdiction. Um, that kind of becomes law. We call it case law, and, and we rely upon that. And that consistency, uh, the legal terminology is stare decisis, you know, uh, is important. So we know what to expect when we're engaging with each other in a contractual relationship, you know, driving down the road, so on and so forth. So, and that's the same thing that happens at a game right. table. So if you're letting someone off, go off the rails constantly, I think you're going to run into problems down the road. And that's why, um, you know, first couple of sessions, I have no problem with a brand spanking new player being like, you know, um, I know you, you, you want to swing your sword, you know, but you also have this ability right here that you could still use and you're down three hit points. Just saying it's up to you. Do you do what you want? I'm just making sure you're aware of that option, you know, and then I go back behind the screen. Yeah. Uh, but by, you know, by third session, fourth session, I'm going to expect them to kind of know what they're doing. Uh, at least enough so they're not going off the rails and doing wacky stuff and expecting me to sort of be okay with it. Um, But then again, I play more, you know, crunchier systems compared to narrative dice systems, you know. Um, That's why I'm kind of interested in going into something more like the OSR, you know, where we can have a little bit more flexibility. for sure. So... I just thought this is kind of, I don't know if this is a sidebar or not, but our topic is new players. So let me ask you this. How long do you, how long before you tell a new player they might want to buy the rule book? Never. Oh. I don't know if I have heard. Uh, like, I mean. Never? Really? If, they, if they're bought in, if they're engaged, they're going to start getting all the bells and whistles. They're going to buy dice. They're going to buy a book. They're going to get a cool binder. That That's mm. what, even if they don't tell you verbally that they're engaged and they're hooked in and they love what you're playing, uh, that, that, that right there is telling you. So, yeah, I don't ever tell yeah. anybody. Co- right. I know because my buddy's wife, she keeps hounding me because I told you I had my great dice off argument with my wife tonight. It was fun, but it was still an argument. And we were looking at one of the sets of dice and my buddy's wife, she's been waiting for the set of dice. She can't wait. She, I knew she was hooked into role playing games because she was like, oh, man, I just love rolling these dice. These dice are so pretty. Boom. You know, and it's like that tells you that if there's something that's a component that they enjoy, you just gotta, you know, give them a chance to use their cool components, but I'm not going to tell them to go buy those components. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I was just going to say, I might suggest it, you know, um, uh, if, if um, it's a more complicated game, Uh, I think we were talking many moons ago about how, um, it might be difficult to run a dungeon crawl classics game over discord because you really need those books and charts. Right. Um, in a situation mm-hmm. like that, I might mention it after a little while, but I, I, I agree with Brian. Like if, if you got them hooked, they're going to all of a sudden show up with their trapper keeper and their new you know player's handbook or whatever. Um, right. In one case, this guy, he showed up with uh, his own miniature. Like, yeah, I, I found a miniature for my character. I was like, sweet dude, <laughs> you're in, you know? So, nope, he's in. so he's I don't invested. think that's anything that I would. 
Uh, and, and to this day, like, I, I don't think I've ever actually said that. I'm only thinking of it in terms of if I play Dungeon Crawl Classics, I'd probably have to ask someone to buy a book so we, we're not all sharing mine, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah so. there's so many tables. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you that I think there's a difference. I agree with Brian. If I'm sitting around the game table with people, if they're physically in front of me, but I got a guy right now who I'm, I'm really kind of like. Why I do you want him to buy a book? Please buy a book. And it's an it's an it's an online game one, and um, every time, every time we get to a a role or some kind of decision or something, and I don't want anybody to think I'm talking on a turn. This is our Sunday game. This is read. I love read. I'm not trying to be weird about it. But Reed has a beta of a five-year-old game, right? And he knows most of the rules. And we're getting him down, and me and Isaac and Thomas, you know what I mean? It's not always a problem. But every once in a while, it's like, hey, look up a talent. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, dude, you know? But I don't want to be like, you got to buy a book, because that's an awesome thing to do. That's 60 bucks, you know? Um, but at the same time, we might save 20 minutes a session. And I'm not kidding. I don't. So think what's be, the root cause? Right? Are we treating the symptom, or are we looking at the root cause here? Well, I think the root cause is that we're playing online. Were we all sitting around a table together? Because me and me and Reed have been players together in the same type of game, and I don't think he's ever bought a book. <laughs> and we did fine when we were sitting around the table because you have that information. You know, you've got a book next to you, GM's book. You know, whatever it is you need is right there, right? So in that case, I'm like, yeah, don't get anything, you know, but online when we're separated by miles and there's, you know, everybody's talking through a cheap microphone, except for Isaac, dude, he's got a sweet setup. <laughs> yeah. You seen yeah. Mic? Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's got, I think he's, I think he's using the SM 100, but I'm not sure. Anyway, point being is that uh, between all of those other little factors, having to go into the minutia of some of the rules, you know, online, it can be, it's just time consuming. It's not even that it's hard. You know what I mean? It's just time consuming. And so, but then again, here's the thing. If he doesn't want the book and I say, Hey, would you please get it? I don't think he'd leave the game. That's what I'm talking about. This is why he's going to read it. Like if he's, you know what I mean? Like, because he seems, he seems to be happy with the way things are and we're having great games and he's a good player. But it is a time Why thing. Why is it a time it's, thing? It's happened to me before in online games. You know, it's because what winds up happening is you get into a situation where somebody's getting into the details of their right, particular character, right, that particular right. class. Well, let's, we're, we're talking mechanics now. We're not talking story. We're talking mechanics, right? How the game, the, the, the machinery, which you know makes it work. So what happens is if nobody's playing his type of character, whether it be the, the species or the class or what have you, you don't really have that locked into your brain. When you're a player, you're locked into your character. And you're locked into what, what you're going to do and, and where your player is, right? And as the game master, <clears throat> I'm just, you know, I've, I've got a lot of stuff I'm supposed to know. We talked about, you know, <laughs> I don't always know it. 
but I got a lot of stuff I'm supposed to know. And then all of a sudden we're like, you know, looking up. And how it relates to his character or how it relates to what you know, what the talent is and Okay, we're getting closer. All right. Yeah. And how it well, how it relates to the character. You know what I mean? So really what it is, really what it boils down to is online, I feel like not that everybody needs to have the book or general familiarity. But I do believe that the amount of time spent, you know, quote unquote, researching, which is just bullshit. We're going to talk about this in a little bit. This whole conversation is making me think about this hobby a little bit. Um, <laughs> the fact that we have to entice new players is ridiculous. But every time we get into something, it's, you know, it's just going to take a little bit longer because it's online. As opposed but to if the qu- a book Because we're talking about interface, all right, and the challenges of right. interface. So if he was in front of you, would right. he have his own book? Would he already be referencing his book, or would it still mm-hmm. what what? So that's what I'm saying. Like, the, are we treating the symptom or the root cause? Maybe. Is the root cause that he just trusts you so much to adjudicate what he wants to do? Has he suffered consequences? Has he suffered consequences well, that as a silly. as a result of no. his failure to to act? Yeah. Okay. No, we're having a great game. No, we're having a great game. Sure. And nobody, here's the thing, nobody's upset that we're spending this time doing it. And it's not, I say But that's minutes. death of a thousand I'm cuts to like a game. three Keep minutes going. here, yep. two minutes here. You know what I mean? Just little things here and there. No, I hear what you're saying. We're having a great time. And in fact, you know, Reed is probably like the most in character besides Matthew. Right, like he's playing a droid, and he knows what that droid would be doing. That droid has programming. You know what I mean? And he's in it, and he plays it to a T. And I don't mind that. You know, that's great. Like he contributes to the game in a very positive way. Right? It's just when we go looking for answers. You know? Now, don't get me wrong. Everybody looks for answers. I ask the veteran players all the time, "Hey, what do you guys think of this?" I had Thomas look up. The so can we go back to the falling, to the great, to the big fall of, of a couple of weeks? Because we, yeah, so we, we, we touched upon this. And it's obviously was a very yeah. uh, crucial moment <laughs> for a couple of reasons, right? Because it put the party on its heels in terms of resource damage or so forth. But it also required the vetting of the rule for you to kind of find it. You had to adjust your game on the fly because it changed the it changed the danger element. So I want to go back to this fall, this legendary fall. Um, oh, yeah. How – it was important to okay. you to research <laughs> and get that, get that answer for that fall. What if you couldn't have found it? At what point right. do you stop looking for the answers? Um, that's a good question. Luckily um, – if Fantasy Flight is anything when they put a book together, or were anything when they put a book together, um, they're fairly concise, and the rules are organized pretty well, right? So finding that damage wasn't going to be a, a big problem, especially with three veteran people, you know, three veterans at the table. It just wasn't going to be an issue. If we were playing a different system, like let's say we were playing Dungeon Crawl Classics, and I had no idea where that rule was... I probably would have assigned less damage than I did. You know what I mean? 
Like, it, I would have gone easier on the players, which, in hindsight, like, when I decided to go rules is written, I was like, oh, shit, this game is over. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, they're screwed. This is done. Um, but had I done that, the, the, amount of t- the, the amount of tension in the game and the fun that was had in the game because of that fall would have been lost. So I'm really glad we found the rule. I'm glad we played it rules as written, even though I was a little nervous about it. Because, um, you know, we talk about flubbing things all the time. You know, yeah, I'll just do it like this. Because that's kind of how these rules were built, right? So, yeah, I mean, I would have given up after a few minutes. If we okay, so now I want to like, reveal you know the transference. Um, the, the gentleman, his name escapes me, the one that doesn't, have a book but he's a great role player okay got a beta okay yeah yeah well he, he's got a beta book so he's got the rules he's got how the much of a part of that of that fact finding you know or solution or vetting of the following was he involved with okay I well he wasn't a part of the fall in fact he was the party was well no the party split at the party split because the guys who didn't make the roll fell, and the other guys made it to the you know the goal. Um, so Would he, he really have cared either really way if it took an extra three you know to mean? five minutes to get the answer, or if you just ruled on the spot? What is what do you think would have been his response? Would he have been cool with it either way? Exactly, exactly. Either way, either way, and, and so I think I this think is one. That it's, and it's a like, cool, common GM uh, neuroses is maybe the word I would use. Like we want to get it right because we want the game to be pure mm-hmm. uh, to a degree. Uh, and you probably have to be challenged with this a lot more than typical GMs because you run some also very narrative heavy games, uh, and. Therefore, that's also why you're able to appreciate how it changed your game in, in like that it did create a whole different element of tension, which was very invigorating for you oh, yeah. because chance favors the prepared mind, but you weren't prepared on this. So now you're kind of, you know, uh, uh, walking without a net. Um, but for that guy, for that guy, it didn't matter. He's having a good time. Oh, here we go. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Given the interface, what an accomplishment. Exactly. What an absolute triumph that given the interface that the dude doesn't have a rule book, you're playing online, he's either new to the system or somebody. What a tremendous, what a badass accomplishment that that dude is no, cool and, and, and his name is Paul and that's between y'all. Yeah. No. <laughs> No, it's not. I'm gonna say it's not like one of those things where I'm like, "Oh, I wish you had a book." I was just kind of thinking about that with new players, and I used him as an example because, like I say, he does he has the beta book and he's familiar with the system, right? But you know, there are changes. You know what I mean? That was a beta. Well, I think five years into the system, I think this uh, actually touches more more less on new player issue and more on. issues that arise with online like you know if you're going to be playing online you probably out of respect for everyone involved not just the game master but out of respect for everyone all have a copy of the book so you know we're everyone can reference something rather quickly yeah but you know what yeah i know that's a 60 dollar investment you know what i mean like that's a that's 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 two concert tickets 
<laughs> well, in Austin at the club, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand that. Not real I'm just saying, like, you know. a, it's so, online play poses a whole new set of challenges, and um, you know, you can get PDF versions of these things too, you know, for cheaper off a drive-through RPG. Um, but uh, you know, that's that's a whole separate issue. I I just think I think what you're touching upon is more, yeah, yeah. more that. I was, yeah, I didn't. Yeah. Really, I think you're probably right. Yeah, and I, I didn't mean to take us down that rabbit hole, but that has kind of when we were talking about it, I just brought it up. Um, yeah. All right. So I want to ask both of you guys: When was the last time, as a player, you played a new system? When When was the last time you were Online a new player to an unfamiliar? Well, system? with you guys. I never played Lamentations, and I, and I have Either never way. played Star Wars, so that would be mine. Um, let's see, yeah, yeah Star Wars. Yeah. Um, I have played Marvel. Um, recently, um, I've been getting involved. I uh, well, I play one shots as often as I can through Fantastic Dimensions because uh, he does. He's a pretty decent DM. Like he's very like. Um, loyal to the rules and whatnot and he's you know if the dice say what they say that's what they say you know um and he recently played morkborg and i got uh, involved on that and that is a fun fun game but i was very nervous i knew it was like an osr-esque type game uh but i was very nervous i didn't even own the rule book it's going back to our few seconds ago conversation you know i didn't have the rule book so i was a little nervous but he was very cool about it. he's like he's like he he, what did he say to me he's like well this will be the second time i've game mastered it so don't worry you know um and we're gonna walk through character generation um and uh it'll you'll be fine it's it's basically a d20 system and i was like okay all right um uh what was that that was like maybe two weeks ago so Okay. All right, cool. Well, I want to get back to that, but right now we need to take a break for technical issues. We are at an hour. Let's try to keep the compression Sounds good. Hello. I'm back. Greetings. Me too. What's up, gentle people? Brian, you back? Hello? Hello. I'm back. Okay. Cool. So, you know, we started talking about this and attracting new players and all that other kind of stuff. And it really struck me that <laughs> should we have, should that even be an issue? What What is the problem with this particular hobby that you literally have to kind of sell it to someone? I mean, is that it's is not that a it's a, not a hobby. I mean, there's a lot of board. The board gaming community is like fifty times bigger than it was fifteen years ago. Um, you got games like uh, all the like the pandemic and Seafall and House on Horror Hill. It, I mean, it's it's the time. I don't think it's the game or the system. It's the time sink, and you've got to make sure that you're kind of clear about that because time is a very precious commodity for everybody above the age of 18, you know. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think that 
that that is more the the thing because our hobby is one of those ones that i mean i played a session that went for 10 11 hours and then i played a session that went for Dude, two I and a half i could never do that i could never do that i would be so sick of everybody by like hour four or five um <laughs> i'm sorry i just would so but seriously that is one of the things though right like do you the time sink aspect of it you know i guess what i'm saying is it seems that there are a number of things that are part of the hobby have been part of the hobby there looks to be no changing it and i think it's a detriment to attracting what can you give some specifics like what do you what are the detriments yeah okay what are the pain points yeah real quick okay let's go i'll do the most logical ones right one is the uh, time sink, right? It's it's a time sink. Even if you're just a player who shows up to play, you're going to be sitting down three, four, longer, depending on you know who you're playing with, right? Second, it's money. These things are not cheap, and they put a lot of stuff out to buy. Now, you don't have to buy that much, but let's face it. We all probably have spent money we should I, I know that we've all spent money we shouldn't have on books that we've probably never used. I mean, seriously, I've got books sitting here and I haven't had one player use the, the character, you know, the, the in-depth career guide, you know? Um, so those are the two most logical. I've said this before on the show, when you walk into a comic shop or a game store and you see a bunch of kids sitting around playing Pathfinder, it looks like they're doing homework. It doesn't look fun, appearance-wise. It just doesn't look fun. X-Wing looks fun. You look across the table and you see X-Wing, and you got these cool spaceships, and it's like, oh, what is this? Yeah, I'll spend 35 bucks on a starter set. Ships are 15 bucks. Hell yeah, I'll spend 15 bucks on a couple of ships. And I'm getting this cool thing, right? Um, So there's a look to it. It that I, I don't think is enticing. I think it's, I, I don't think it's enticing. I think it draws people away from it. You know, um, I think, and I'm this is this is gonna be blasphemy to so many people. The fact that the books are so bared. You know, even though as a player you may only need to know say ten or fifteen pages, right? core rule set in your character they're huge man they're huge no content is a consideration yeah so i just think that there are a number of things that you know make it seem unattractive now the time sink i don't mind i've been most like most people who play these games we've been doing it since we were a kid and we didn't have cell phones and we didn't have playstation fives or fours or whatever you know so a time sink like that to us is nothing, right? I mean, I'm sure all three of us, when we were younger, had a novel or more that we read in a day. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Who does that anymore? You know? Um, the physical appearance is a big one to me. The physical appearance is a huge one to me. Because it, it needs to look fun. If you walk past something... And you can't tell what the hell is going on. You know, I don't know. I just, I well, think those are things that, I, that... go ahead. Uh, yeah, no, I don't think you're wrong. 
Um, but I think for brand spanking new players, they probably I don't think they've probably stepped in into a hobby shop or a comic store, right? If this is someone you've gotten mm. to know, right, and and maybe maybe okay. they invited you over to a board game night, you had a blast pl- playing Pandemic, and then you're just kind of like, hey, would you be interested in playing Star Wars with me? You know what I mean? I don't think yeah. they would have would experience um, what you're talking about. And I think what you are talking about though, is very valid in terms of how a particular product is going to be sold or how a game system is going to be well, sold. Attracting, we're talking new players. Yeah. yeah. But the reason I bring that up is because dragon's layer here in town, right? One half is comic book. I think it back one third is comic books. One third is games, and then one third in the back is just magic, magic cards. Yeah, <laughs> never go back there. <laughs> never <laughs> go back there. <laughs> but I mean, that's how I got turned on to X Wing. Is I walked past X Wing. I mean, I don't play anymore because I don't want to collect things. But I walked past X Wing, and it looked really cool. You know what I mean? And you could see the people kind of moving the people right. They they had their their markers up, the movement yeah. trackers. You know what I mean? You would, and you'd see the looks on their faces that, ah, you know what I mean? You could hear it across the store when someone won. Yeah. You know? And then you walk past the kids playing Pathfinder. <laughs> Sorry. It's just, yeah. So I hear what you're saying. I do think there's a lot of validity to that. There's not many new players walking into games. Yeah, and I think I think for a brand spanking new player to the RPG hobby, I think you're gonna. I think there's still that stigma. Like what you're doing is weird. I mean, my wife is like that. Like I, I, you know, I got her to sit down to play encounter a single encounter with my son ben and the only reason why she did it was because ben was involved right um Mm -hmm. she's just not into it she doesn't get it and she but she she's supportive you know she let you know she's she's fine with me doing it or anything like that but she it's just not her you know not for her and i think i remember my uh one of my legal one of the best legal secretaries i've had in my career um we had a great relationship um and i left my player's handbook on my desk at work and um the next day uh i come in and she's just giving me this look and i'm like felicia what's up she's like i didn't know you were into that geeky stuff <laughs> yeah right and i'm like are you talking about and i'm like oh crap i left my player's handbook here um and so i'm just like yeah <laughs> so there was like this kind of like uncomfortable conversation <laughs> you know where i'm yeah. like yeah this is a hobby and then i'm like yeah but you know phil plays too and he's like our boss so she's like oh that's cool but uh um uh, but yeah, there's still that stigma. And I think that's why, like, when you started the, this kind of conversation off with it, like, how would you describe it to somebody? Um, and I think that's why it's so important. So when you do meet that person who, like, invites you over to board game night or you get talking to them about a video game. And so there's, like, this gamer connection. Um, how do you mm-hmm. how do you sell the hobby? That's because that's really what you're selling. Once you sell the hobby, then you can sell the content. In which case, at that point, I'm in I'm in a hundred percent agreement with you. Like I have no interest in doing, you know, number crunching, um, quick, shameless, you know, free advertisement for Morkborg. That is was a lot of fun. It was rules light. And uh, I highly recommend everyone try it. Um, it's like lament in terms of tone. It's like lamentations turned up to eleven. Uh, yeah, 
and it's free league as well. So they're two for two for me. Um, I can't wait to check out the one ring. Uh, uh, but yeah, like that's what sells me. Like something I could just dive into, roll some dice, have some laughs with people, people that I don't even know. Cause I was playing online with a group of strangers. We were laughing over some of the stuff that was happening to our characters. Um, that's what gets me, you know, uh, cool art, you know, but I don't, yeah, I agree with you. Like I, I walk by, past the Pathfinder kids too, you know, and, and go, I don't know about that. Um, yeah. But Brian, what do you, I mean, you seem to have a, a sense of aesthetics. I mean, what, what are your general thoughts on, on, cause I want to revamp everything, dude. I want to change it all. <laughs> I got a plan. I have it, but what do you, what do you think about that? Do you think I'm, I, I, I'm more reductive? I mean, I, as far as, I, you guys were talking on the the social appearance or the the image. Like almost anyone that's ever known me knows that I play these games. But also, a lot of the people that played in my games are probably not like the conventional like gaming store type of people. I I mean I've mm-hmm. I've played with cheerleaders. I played with belly dancers. I've played with bodybuilders. I've played <laughs> with uh, infantry guys. I, I I've played. I've played with a lot of people that probably never would ever have even thought about the game and then wound up loving it. But I was, I was in different circles. I mean, um, I did play about 21 years ago, right? Year 2000. I was like, I did a year 2000 commitment. I was like, I'm going to run a game for total strangers. And I posted up. Uh, and I did, I ran it for about six months. It was a cool experiment. It was a bunch of people that didn't know each other except for a father and son. And I learned a lot in running that game because it is an environment thing. Right. And there is this feeling of mm-hmm. what does it look like to others? I, I, I'm, because you're one, you got to create comfort. It's atmosphere because you're not getting an engagement without atmosphere. So playing in someone else's home and like saying, Hey, look, I'm willing to come to your place. I'm willing to come into your safe place. Or if they're coming to your place, like you cook for them, like, Hey, I got you these ciders. I got you these mead. I know, I know she likes mead. So I buy her a four pack of mead you know, and you just, you make it communal beyond the game. Right. So you want it to be, it's the experience of um, fraternity, sorority, whatever. I don't know, whatever the mix is between those. I never went to college. Um, and, and you're getting just that uh, fellowship. Fellowship. You're, you want to create fellowship. That's a geeky way of saying it. Hold on. Uh, uh, com, 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 comradeship. I, camaraderie. 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 That's it. That's what I want. I would go very reductive. I would never start with a complex rule set. I would never start with – I wouldn't start with anything that had crunch to it. If I had to really introduce someone into role-playing games, I would do fiasco. We're getting my fiasco. Next yeah, that's that, it. That, that fiasco is the system. What is the, what fiasco is the, is the system? Fiasco. But fiasco is not. Fiasco is not really a tabletop role-playing. It, it's game, a it? role-playing game. You're playing a character. You generate and come up with the character using a dice system. It's trait based, though. Mm-hmm. You're develop. You're, these are the traits, and this is your character story and history. So you're creating a Cohen Brothers character or whatever you want to look at it, and you do roll for that because mm-hmm. you have you have, and it's so much easier for people to wrap their brains around because it's it's relationships <laughs> and flaws and motivating factors, and these are things that are much easier to get into than. 
spell slots and uh, and proficiency bonuses, and so you can speak in a language that's very very native. You can speak in something that anyone can can, can connect to. And I've played Fiasco with people that have never and don't even want to play ever D and D because you got to remember the realm of fantasy role playing game and Star Wars role playing game and apocalypse role playing game and continue on with whatever that um, that setting is. Boy, I'll tell you, you you're going to wind up cutting out a large swath of people that you might be able to bring into the hobby. So it's up to the GM to be willing to try to do something a little bit different. Sometimes it means doing something that's simple, which, by the way, is a benefit because you can bring your GM skills to that because you know how to still facilitate. <clears throat> Fiasco is the system. I would do it. I have run it. I've run it with multiple people that never have played a tabletop role-playing game before or since. Uh, and, and it worked wonders. It was laughter. It was inventiveness. It was everything that you saw. And I guarantee you, if you saw people playing fiasco at a local gaming shop, people would look at that and start laughing their ass and they're like, man, what is going on? What are those people doing? But there ain't no minis in it. It, it, yeah, it looks it's like a total a party, party game, game. Looks, but yeah, you're right. So like the X-wing like, thing, like, like I'm running a Dragon's Lair X-wing tournament on the 13th, and I, I, I I'm, I'm that guy. I'm the I'm one of the TOs in the Houston group, or you know, and and so we're we're getting back to in-person play. It'll be the first in-person play uh, in a year in the Houston market, and I'm running I'm running oh, a man. tournament uh, up in Tomball, and uh, there is some, that X-Wing game, you know, you're right, people, I've had so many people walk past that game at Asgard Games or Dragon Lair, Dragon's Lair, and they're like, what is that? That looks super cool. Um, yeah. So tabletop role-playing games don't have that. The crunchier the system is that you're running. True. Matt, what about you? What would you run? Uh, New players, first system. I have absolutely no idea, um, to be completely honest with you, because I've been so steeped in a lot of, uh, um, you know, Wizards of the Coast, you know, IP uh, for so long. And that's why this past year, uh, especially since getting involved with you guys with this podcast, I've been, you know, diving into other systems and just taking a look at other products. Um I, I do agree playing something kind of rules light. Um, if I knew they were interested in a fantasy RPG type of thing, like the hook was, you know, I explained to them and the hook was something like, Hey, did you see Lord of the Rings? Did you like that movie? And they're like, yeah, that was awesome. I'm like, well, that's what RPGs and D and D really is, you know, and like, Oh, okay. Well, I'd be willing to try it. I might pull out like, uh, the rules cyclopedia and, and play the old red box, something nice and simple. Um, and just kind of run through like a one shot with like them and a friend and a couple of my buddies, you know, you know, something like that. I, I think, but as far as like getting them sucked into like an, on, uh, an actual ongoing campaign that I think that they would like, I'll be honest with you. I don't know. Um, uh, simply because, you know, my own inexperience with what else is out there, you know, um, I think Lamentations is nice and easy, but the moment they see the pictures, <laughs> they might be turned off, you know, and I don't want that. that yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah, that's, no, I, oh, I know. Well, like Morkborg <laughs> and Lamentations is more like, okay, you've been playing with me for a couple of years. You trust me why don't we try this? You know, uh, that kind yeah. of a thing. Um, uh, but, um, 
I, you know, I don't know Fiasco. I just put it on my wish list because I think I need to check it out now. Um, but yeah, like something, something simple, like, um, well, you know, Dungeon Crawl Classics might be kind of fun because it's all random dice rolling and in terms of like character generation. So there's not like they have to do a lot of thinking about it, you know, just roll, roll this, make these two characters, whichever one survives this like mini adventure. And that's your character. You know, uh, the character yeah. funnel might be kind of fun and in, in, in an introductory sort of way. Um, I don't know. I would not do narrative dice first. I wouldn't do Genesis or Star Wars or any derivative of the narrative dice system. I find that surprising. That is actually. I For a brand new player? No. Really? For what? Well, no way. There's too many options, man. Wait, are you talking there's too many options for you as a system to run? No, no, no. I'm talking about I would not – if I had a brand-new player that I was introducing to role-playing, I would not use the narrative dice system. But you would use a narrative <laughs> heavy system. I don't know. I honestly – you know what? The first uh, – why, Then I why mean, not just play a board game? I think I'm – because what I'm saying is, I think I would go something like Dungeon Crawl That's a Classics. Big book, dude. It's a beautiful book. That's yeah, but they book. don't have to have it. But it's a yeah, it is a big book. But that book is also thirty five dollars. Yeah, but, but put put on your, your put on your new player goggles. Everybody, get put it. on your new and, player goggles. On, on, and hold hold if you're on, sitting on the other end of the table, and you see that big fucking book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm gonna get you like you're a fucking Judge Judy and shit. No, that's not what's going to happen. What's going to happen is that is what I think that is the closest to sort of the pure pencil paper RPG, but it is also lighthearted. And because of the character funnel, right, after that first session, everybody's pretty much going to know how to play and know what to expect. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like it that the character funnel and the the simple rule set is is what makes it. And if somebody is intimidated by the size of the book, I'm gonna slide that book over to. Them. I'm gonna say, "See, look, it's all tables and art." And then they're gonna go flipping through that book, and they're gonna see all that crazy artwork. You know what I mean? I'm not afraid of that book. I would be afraid to slide across Edge of the Empire. I'd be afraid to do Blades in the Dark. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's plenty of things I'd be afraid to slide over to a player. But the Dungeon Crawl Classics book, for the art alone, I would have no problem doing that. And it would be very easy for me to say, like, look, these are just spell tables. These are just things you can roll dice on. You don't, even, you don't, have, to, you don't have to know this. You, know, you just have to know when to use it. Yeah, I would probably be because see when you do narrative dice, like right now in our Sunday game, it's pretty easy because we haven't. I think all in all they've gained what thirty five experience or something. So you guys aren't even mid level play yet, right? And it's pretty easy because they're not rolling a lot of yellow dice, which means there's not a ton of narrative aspects that come up, but they're starting to creep in, right? You can tell there are some things, you know, some people have leveled up a skill here and there. They use quite a bit and they're starting to creep in. But as soon as you start getting to those things where you're rolling, you know, three yellows and a green, 
what happens when two triumphs come up? And these are game-changing moments. These are supposed to be the moments in the story where the player takes control and says, I blow up the hangar. And it's not a mechanic thing at that point. It is story. That is well within the rules. If the situation is right and they fired a shot into the right place and got a triumph, I'm going to let them blow that hangar up, right? That hangar full of TIE fighters. That's how the game is designed. But that leads to option paralysis, especially with the brand. Now, if I had the, you know, maybe if I had the right players, you know what I mean? If I had the right group of players, I would do it. Um, but they would have to be a very enthusiastic player group. They would all have to be friendly. And I don't mean just friendly, like polite enough to get through a game. Like they would have to be friendly. It would have to be in person. But I think enthusiasm would probably be the most important part of it. Oh, shit, look what you get to do. Let's come up with some ideas. But if you don't have that, forget about it. No. Hmm. Yep, Dungeon Crawl Classics all the way. <laughs> Dungeon Crawl. Or ICRPG. I like that one a lot still. I wish he changed the name because I don't even think he's making cards anymore. Um, but yeah, definitely. And it's just a more pure experience. This is where all this came from. Everything else that we do and you know the hobby or what have you everything else is is a derivative of this or a building upon that's a this, that's a good you know? point that that's a good way of of introducing someone new sort of like this is where it kind of started yeah. you know and that's why like the the old school bx back me rules cyclopedia stuff kind of intrigues me as well because it's really easy it's like you don't have to you know i'm going to play a dwarf cleric thief no it's i'm going to play a dwarf it's it's i'm going to play an elf i'm going to play a right. fighter and you just have to roll this dice of course i'd have to explain seiko <laughs> but uh other than that other yeah, than that like who wants to do that yeah. but that, uh, right? other than that like it's this is this is where it all began so to speak so no i i i, I agree mm-hmm. i agree yeah, but I'll probably change my mind as soon as we hang up this call <laughs> and I think about it a little more, just so you know. I mean, we've got, you know, Ivan's 10, and I don't know that he has a great grasp of the rules, but when he plays Star Wars, he has tons of fun, you know, and I think he's going to start getting it. Like, he understands kind of how the dice, you know, he can figure out how many hits and misses, you know, and all that kind of good stuff. He's got that worked out. Um, but... The first role-playing game that I played with him was Dungeon Crawl Classics. We did a character funnel. And I killed half his characters, <laughs> you know? And he knows there are consequences. So when we started playing Star Wars, completely different rules. But, you know, he understood the concept of, hey, this guy can die, you know? And then I got to make someone new. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. What other new player topics are there? We're getting towards the end tonight, guys. What are the new player topics well, are there? The one I was thinking, the one that kind of got me thinking is like, uh, how do you take some uh, veteran players who are used to a particular game system and introduce them to something new? I don't know if uh, either of you have had some, uh, any experience uh, in that. I know some veteran players are uh, kind of like you, Gary. They're interested in new systems and new uh, um you, you know, new games where others, you know, uh, kind of, you know, they're, 
they're 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 happy with what they got you know um so um you know what what tips and tricks can you offer um i tell people what kind of game i'm going to be running and i invite them to it and if they want to play that's awesome and if they don't maybe we'll play something else another time but what you know, you gotta understand. I'm I'm doing this so that I can have fun, and part of the fun is providing a fun experience for everybody else, right? But at the core of it, I have to care. I have to want to play this game. I have to get. You know, I've said this before. We spend at least triple the time playing this game than our players do, even if it's just in our head, right? Trying to figure out what what are we gonna do next week? How's this gonna work? Mm. You know, so if I'm not engaged and if I don't care, it's a miserable experience. And that is not how I want to spend my Sundays. Oh, right. You know, no, I completely agree with you. Uh, but for like people who have um, like regular groups, because I know you don't really have uh, regular groups. I mean, yeah. I like so the idea of sliding like, so the rule book over so they could see the pictures, yeah. you know. Yeah, I, I honestly, I mean, I have to tell you, that's not yeah. a concern of mine. That's why I don't think I have you know, look, man, it what it comes down to is I think just about I would say a quarter of the people that are in my social circle are some kind of gamer or something, right? And that's I know a lot of people, you know. Um so I really can follow my interests. And luckily, people who play games with me, even if they only play like a short campaign or a one shot or whatever, typically they have fun. You know, even if it's a little clunky in the beginning or the middle, I, you know, I'm always pretty good at people walk away with a smile on their face, right? Everybody has had fun. And, you know, so if they don't want to play that, and they also know me, they know that I'm going to switch systems in like six months. They know that I'm going to get bored and I'm going to start looking for something new. So I don't mind if they want to sit out for a little while. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm good. Whatever. Have fun, man. <laughs> you know, do your thing. <laughs> See you next year. You know, and I'm just not. And I think that is one of the things that's mostly different from the way I view games, these kind of games anyway, as to the old hardcore guys. And I think it's a mindset we need to break out of if we're going to modernize the hobby and if we're going to keep it progressing as opposed to just being a little bit better than the last one a little bit different is we really need to get away from the mindset that everybody who sits down at the table is is going to be a lifelong you know buddy of ours and we're just going to play this one game and this one character until you know we've just run it into the fucking ground and nobody cares anymore you know, I think that by shortening the games, I think that by mixing up the games, we actually create more engagement for the players who choose to be there. And we also create a sense of excitement within ourselves that translates to our players. I think that makes for better games. And those guys that want to play the 10-year-long campaign and everything, that's great. Man. Have fun. You know, I think everybody should have fun the way they want to have it. But those are old school gamers. And we're talking about new play. <laughs> we were talking about new players. And you do a system, I guess. I'm I guess the thing is is you can find a five E game anywhere. 
you're not doing your players a disservice. If they don't, if they want to go somewhere else and play 5e with someone else, there are a lot of games. You're not keeping them out of a game. You're not kicking them out of a game. You're not, you know, you're not taking that experience away from them. They can they can get online and find a game in person in whatever town they're in, whenever. Um, and maybe they can try, you know, running a game as well. Maybe that'll be the point. You're like, no, I'll run five. You know, the thing is, it's not like I'm not friends with them anymore. I'm just I want to do something different. Maybe they want to do something different. You know, right on. Uh, well said. Yeah. I, what I do yeah. is I what I've been doing is one shots. You know, I'm going to run a one shot tonight using this, uh, you know, system, uh, so on and so forth. And that's actually been a nice little way of getting some of the more um, stubborn players who are like, you know, happy with the game that we've been playing uh, into it to the point where I'm starting to work on an alien campaign with a few guys who really enjoyed the one the one shot I did in Halloween. So. Um, but see, there's more. That's more of a time sink, and that time that you're spending, we all know. We don't have to get into this again, but we all know that other than just saying it, you haven't said it yet. You are done with this game, not the people, and not maybe the story, but as far as the the rules and everything goes, you're all you've already. It's like you're in a bad marriage. And thing <laughs> and no, I've I, no, I've 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 made my announcement. Uh, I've shouted it to the hills. I was like, you know, the hills are alive with the sound of Matt's yeah. hatred for fifth edi- uh, fifth edition. Like, um, no, I'm, yeah. I'm the only the. It's just I'm, I'm the game is because I, I still enjoy that one. But all the other games I've been doing with Five E, I'm like, yeah, I'm done. Um, and uh, uh, making overtures for other types of games. You know, hey, what about this? What about this? What about this? The only one that stuck is Alien, and that's because I ran a one-shot on it, and those who took a chance and played it loved it, and they were like, yeah, we'd, we'd love it if you'd run this, you know? Um, and, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, I think it's been in my experience, gaming groups tend to be insular you have like the group of friends that always game together um and they kind of it's also been in my experience they kind of get into this is their game this is the game that they like and that's definitely been you know the gaming the two major gaming groups i've been involved with in the past we'll say five years ten years um that you know sort of mindset it's only recently where i've broken out of that mindset and i'm kind of exactly what you're you're saying gary like yeah i want to try all these other games you know we can always come back to this other one you know if we really want to um but i want to try all this other stuff you know um and i think i think playing i don't want to say playing tricks but you know providing the one shot to to some of these like uh grognards out there (laughs) who are like wedded to their game to to try something new they'll they'll be surprised because you know we're creatures of habit you know we we like what works you know um and uh presenting something new um i think sometimes can be a challenge um especially considering people are giving you know a portion of their time out of a week, a month, whatever, uh, to, to play a game. And uh, they want to make sure that their time's not being wasted. So they have their meat and potatoes that they're always going to go back to. So, um, you know, presenting 
presenting something new, I think can be a challenge, you know, um, certainly has been in my experience anyway. Your players eat dinner at four o'clock and go to bed by seven. You know what I mean? Like it's like tapioca pudding. Jesus, man. All right. Sorry, bro. I'm sorry. Your players probably um, I don't care. I'm never going to meet it. I'm in New York. Whatever, dude. <laughs> Bring it. Um, Brian, what about you? How would you slide? Didn't you slide a group in the still game? haven't Aren't gotten to it. I, it's just timing, but um, it'll it'll come in time. But the Marvel, the whole idea of the Marvel piece, it's probably it's going to be with a bunch of people. I mean, two not a bunch. It'll be four people, but half of them have never even played role playing games, but they want to play Marvel. They want to play Marvel. There's a system. Mm-hmm. I know it. I can run it, and it's very rules light. But I want to just pull that out for a second because I've been I've been quiet tonight. Uh, I'm listening a lot to both of you, and I I must confess this is one of our podcasts where I feel like I'm on I'm on another I'm on a there's a there's a, not a cavern but there's definitely a chasm between us. Um, I don't want to switch systems around. I don't need to switch systems around. I'm at a stage right now. I got three different groups and I have one player in one group that has more experience than all the other people in my other group put together. And these are very different dynamics. And I don't feel that I need to drift to another system. I don't feel that I need to drift to another rule set. I don't feel that I need to find a way to stimulate uh, new interest or to desperately hold on and retain existing interest. I'm not saying that y'all are. I'm just saying I'm speaking for myself when I assess my gaming. Uh, I just, you know, came out of a session on Saturday that I'm, we're just run, I'm riding a high session after session after session are just home runs. Uh, across three different groups because I'm really vastly changing the game. And am I using 5e? Yes. That would be what all of my players would probably say to each other and would say to other people. But they're not playing 5e. They're playing a game where I have gotten so much more comfortable with 5e and I'm trying to do honor to the term mastery because here's the problem when you go from technique to technique or system to system, there is a certain responsibility we have, which is that second part, which is that mastery. And even if you feel a bit burned out on it and from time to time you need a break, then you take that break and such, but for your players and to retain people from all different walks of life and all different interest levels and all different types of creativity, I'm playing 5e, but I'm also playing a system with five different degrees of narrative options that my players tell me before we play the day before. What is your opening scene? 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 Then my job is to connect all that. Uh, I'm playing a game that has relationship statuses and different levels. Uh, I am playing a game that has got um, a rest system, a different encumbrance system, uh, a different resource system, uh, a, a different experience. I'm, I'm not playing 5e. I've mastered a lot of elements of 5e to such a degree that my players now trust 
me to break down the walls. And we are really playing something that is truly a composite. I love, I'll tell you what, I never ever bought a single 4E book. I never played a 4E game in my life. But I will tell you that one of the best DM books I've ever read that was put out by a major publisher is that DMG2 from 4E. It is a hell of a book. And it's the sort of book that doesn't sell well because books and publishing are very player-centric. But I was reading that book and I was like, yep, taking that, taking that, taking that. Um, but then I look at Lamentations and I'm like, yep, I like that idea of conjuration. That sounds kind of cool. I'm going to take that. Uh, I take everything and I make it fit within the system that my players love and adore. And yes, they've spent money on. Yes, they've spent time on. Yes, my wife has a copy of Tasha's next to her bed. Yes, my buddy's wife is thoroughly excited um, about her upcoming uh, spell choices. Yes, my friend loves casting fireball, even though we repeatedly warn him that there are methane gases all around the swamp. Um, I, I believe that mastery is a very important uh duty in the games that I run. I'm not saying that for everybody. I feel a bit different from you guys tonight. I'm not saying it in a bad way or a good way. I just feel different because the systems that I use, mm -hmm. I completely take all these different ideas on the different systems, the Marvel resource system, the dungeon world uh, fronts. I just take all this stuff and I just make it work in 5e. And I run 5e the way I love 5e because my players love 5e and in their mind they're running 5e. But the one girl, one of the girls, because I had three girls and, and Jason on yeah. Saturday, and one of them she told me she goes, she plays in three other campaigns with two other DMs. And then she plays in two different campaigns in mine. She's a workhorse. She's getting in more gaming reps than probably anybody I've met in the last five, 10 years. And she told me on Saturday, she says, I always cancel any other game or I will always schedule around or I will always place, you know, this game, you know, because there's so much, my character matters. The story matters. I want to know what's going on. I want to be challenged. And like she told me, she's like, yeah, she goes hands down, you know, and we're not using, we're using 5e. I'm comfortable with it. But I guess in closing, what I would just say is, yeah, I don't feel tempted to go chase another system or to get reductive with OSR, OC. I'll take it all. I'll rip it. I'll put it in what my players love and adore. They won't never know the difference. They're smiling, laughing, having a good time. So a topic for another podcast is... How many home rule? How many home rules? Oh, that's a great topic. I love it. But there's no, there's no real yeah. answer. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's it's a <laughs> spectrum. There really isn't. And even in that first, no, even in that first, yeah, the the first GM's guide by Gary Gygax. I mean, in the introduction, he says, "This is yep. your game. Play Absolutely. This game. You know, that, do yep. what you will with these rules, yep. basically." So I do think that is definitely in the spirit of things. And I really, no, I'm just playing. I mean, I there's no problem at all. And I think, you know, I think one of the reasons that I'm kind of hard on Brian's players. <laughs> See, 
I'm not Brian. Matt's players. Brian, your players are. You do not describe them the way you you describe them. These are not folks that you're going to find. Not all of them, anyway. They're not all the kind that are going to go into the comic book shops and the game shops. It seems like you've got sort of you know the sweaties and the civilians, right? The sweaties and the normies. And it seems like Definitely. you have a fairly no, no, decent right. mix of them. All walks of life, all different ages, all different backgrounds. Yeah, I mean, and yeah, it's – and it makes it cool uh, because the – you know, there's so much – this term is yeah. so easily thrown around about diversity and what does diversity mean in the game. And I'm not going to go near all that right now because diversity in the game is in, is in the kind of players that you bring not necessarily the players that they're playing because if you have different players, they're going to bring different techniques and different approaches. And if there was still an entire campaign of Mm -hmm. gully dwarves, you're still going to have a great campaign because you've got a diverse player mix. Dude, I so want to do a fantasy game where everyone is a gnome. I want to. I want to do the great gnome full I want to play an alien. See, I see. I, as a player who doesn't ever play, I, I'm really not even a player. I can't even claim that title. I, but I, I would like to play aliens. I would like to play. I'd like to play Dungeon World. I'd like to play some of these, but not because I'm ever going to play those games. I'm never going to run those games. I'd be lying to you both if I told you I was going to run those games. I'm not. I'll steal from them. I'll take them. I'll put them in mine. I'll put them in my five E. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, I will say I do think I think it's a I think it's healthy to switch systems, even if it's only for like a one shot or a mini campaign. Um I just think it gets the juices flowing a little bit. As long as it's not, you know, as long as you're not playing like Traveler, right? Where, you know, it's like a day to make a character and I've never played a funnel. I have a confession. I've never ran or played a funnel. So I don't even know how that would look or sound. But if I was going to run a one shot, that's the only type of one shot I would run. Low investment, high high entertainment. Dude, what if I, we started the gnome wars as a funnel and everybody had like four gnome warriors? Holy shit. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Four players, 16 gnomes, let the chaos ensue. Well, well I agree with you, Gary, anyway. that I, I think it is healthy to switch systems because um, I sort of feel like, you know, from a rules mastery perspective, to kind of bounce off what Brian was kind of getting into. I'm understanding a lot more. Um, Some tweaks and whatnot I tried to do with 5th edition and other games in the past, um, I did without really seeing how other people had done it. You know, and seeing some of these retro clones, for example, or seeing these other systems that bring in new concepts like panic, for example, how alien handles panic. It's wonderful. And it gives you so many neat ideas. Like, Brian, you're not playing 5e. You're absolutely right. You are not playing 5e. You you have your own hack. Uh, You know, you, you could you could. Put it all into a document, thrown up for free on oh, uh, on the uh, drive through RPG, and call it 
uh, call it the Brian hack. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm, I'm thinking about doing that for just some of the yeah. stuff that I dislike about five E. I'm like, well, I'll take this out, this out, this out. But then I'm like, I don't really care to do that. Uh, Cause I'm really not interested in play. Um, See, it doesn't sound to me. It didn't sound to me like you're well, playing they have. a lot of They have. Day. It's just certain things worked, certain things didn't. Um, and then we got to a point where everyone was like ninth level, and I'm 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 getting a headache, you know, trying to come up with a challenging encounter just because of the yeah. power creep and whatnot with that game, you know. Um, that's really what it came down to. And I know they felt the same way. They were just kind of like, um, I have like this one friend who's been kind of skirting the um osr kind of idea i was over at his house uh about a week ago I hadn't seen him in a long time like physically you know in person and i was down in his basement we were looking at warhammer 40k stuff and i look over at his bookshelf and he has collected all this first edition ad and d stuff just almost in perfect condition and i i'm like i'm starting to salivate i'm like oh my god look at all this stuff and he actually made a couple comments about how he wouldn't mind playing like an old school game um but it's just he and i right so um we're we're kind of a a couple of the group are kind of getting into this alien campaign i'm going to put together but i'm not going to make that a long-term thing either i don't want to get burned out of uh you know i want to play it enjoy it move on to the next thing you know um but uh you know they they def they're definitely right. open to it but at the same time to quote my best friend eric you know he's one of the reasons why he liked fourth edition was i don't have time to look through all these books to build a super awesome character this book allows me to make the character yeah. that's badass and i don't have to think too hard about it and I can get to rolling dice, drinking beers, having a few laughs, and role-playing a character. And that's the same thing with 5th edition. I mean, that's why I I had this blog post that got really uh, popular. I, I said, look, if the OSR wants to compete with Wizards of the Coast, they're going to have to do something different. Because no one wants to just swing a sword. No one wants one spell at... That's <sighs> the point of OSR. I think the point of... No, not... I mean that's why that's how the OSR well, uh, became yes and no. I think I think the point of OSR is more player agency, but you got to give them something to for character builds. There's like this distinction there, where third edition shifted all to player builds and the tactical grid, you know, rule set, where just give a little mm -hmm. something. Like if I like if I were to play Lamentations, I wouldn't play Lamentations. It would be my version of lamentations or you'd have a few more options for your character you know you 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 would um uh and i think that's going back to like this whole thing all these games all these systems i've been playing around with talking to you guys and talking to others online i'm starting to get an idea of the game i want to play and the and the rule set that i want to uh run and brian it's it's i'm starting to kind of do what you're doing but in reverse where you're kind of building the ship as you're sailing it you know i'm i'm at i'm in the shipwright yard like pulling out the nails and the boards like okay i think i want to start here tick 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 you know what i mean yeah all right so yeah i think you know i'm curious do you think it would be easier to attract new players to a game that was not centered around fantasy. 
Do you think fantasy, the fantasy setting, I know it le- le- it lends itself to these types of rule sets, right? Because of low technology and all that kind of good stuff. But do you think it would be easier to attract new players if it was if everything wasn't so embedded? Because I don't play yeah. sword and sorcery games really. You know what I mean? Like that's not really my bag. Um, but I, do you, do you think it's a selling point, or do you think it's something? That I think it's a great question. Um, I think the fantasy thing is the easiest way to kind of communicate what the game and the hobby's about. Kind of like what I was saying with like, yeah, Lord of the Rings. But you know, the mm-hmm. types of board games and like communal games that you can, you know, party games that are out there that are kind of like, um, oh, like Avalon, where there's like a hidden like person that's like secretly working against the rest of the group and you have to try to figure out who that is games like that where it's like a mystery and um you know uh um and maybe like a little bit of like horror content you might be able to sell i'm not saying lamentations or anything like that but something like like alien where it's like hey we're just gonna play this one shot it's gonna be fun i know you're a big fan of the movies you know um i think it's possible uh but mm-hmm. i think that obviously you know if you're a marketer working for a game company i think the next logical choice would be sci-fi you know but i i don't know word yes brian do you, i mean you're 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 really in that fantasy realm no i mean i think there's well, there's two answers to this. one if you're trying to get a person into tabletop role-playing games, find out what they enjoy. And there's usually an, a famous IP that they enjoy, whether it's Marvel, whether it's Star Wars, whether it's, you know, Harry Potter, whatever. Someone has got that thing that they love watching. I would love, you know, I'm looking at the poster of it because it's my favorite movie of all time. It's uh, Michael Mann's Heat, 1995. Um I, I love that film because it operates as a character piece and also as an action piece. And I would love to play a realistic Los Angeles crime saga of just, you know, that, that sort of true grittiness that Michael Mann, Miami vice type of, I would love to play something like that. Um, so if somebody pitched that game to me, dude, where do I sign up? But that means someone has to talk to me. They have to talk to me about what I like. They need to find out who I am. They need to find out what does Brian really enjoy? What sparks his creativity? And so like that dialogue then would tell my prospective game master, wow, this person I bet would really enjoy role-playing. Like they're very creative. They think about this. Last in Mohicans, 1992, another Michael Mann film, because I'm a hack for man. Uh, You know, that, that, that's like colonial America. And that is a great film and a great action movie and a great drama and a great role-playing idea. There's a lot of heavy role-playing in that movie of choices that people do that are sometimes really great or really, really tough. So if you're going to bring a new player in and you don't think you can use the three most famous words to immediately get a temperature check – on whether or not a person would be interested in a role-playing game, Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, you just have to say that. We are at a point, not critical mass, but we are at such a point of reference and understanding because of four generations between video games and films and comics and everything else. 
You could do that and say, would you like to play Dungeons and Dragons and read their body language? Do their eyes light up? Eyebrows raise? Do they look at you? Does their chin kind of come up? Do their hands kind of drop from their side? Like, and there's a little bit of a knot. Okay. And they may not like it, but they know enough by hearing those three words to make a decision. Oh, I've heard about that. My sister plays that. My cousin plays that. Sure. Let me give it a try. That's all I need because I can usually hook somebody into D&D. I've hooked a lot of people that thought they would never like the game. I've had girls say, I thought this game was geeky and stupid. I love my character. Like you're talking about going from campaign to campaign and system to system, both of you. And I tried pulling that on Saturday with one of the girls and she says, no, she goes, I'm not ready. We're six level. I am not ready to start thinking about another campaign. I'm having too much fun with both of my characters. No. And she flat out told me we are continuing. And I'm like, you're, you got it. Cause that's how my players feel. Uh, so, yeah. but she never would have thought about it. See, she, that's, that's, Dungeons and Dragons yeah, you was have a to, stupid geeky. She, she never would have thought about it. She never would, it would have even occurred to her. So uh, if I'm trying to get somebody in, it's either Dungeons yeah. and Dragons or what is it that you like that you're interested in that makes you feel creative. And I can run a five E session any of those settings it would be less is more it wouldn't be terribly complex it would be roll to hit this number here's a saving throw number here's a skill and proficiency it would be like the sheet i gave my nine-year-old niece here you go boom and then if they like it and they want to eat more crunch a year from now six months from now and they're buying character books and shit cool Yeah. I one thing I thought of while while this was going on, you know, you were talking about your player that was like, I'm sixth level, I'm not leading this campaign. Um I think one of the reasons I'm able to switch systems and players show up I did too. Because I pretty much lay out how long the campaign is gonna be. You know, one shot, we're going to have four or five. Well, I mean, how long do you say? I let them know when like, we're in the different ending, acts. And I told them we're basically in our third act. We've begun our our third act. We've begun our Return of the King. Um, and, and it wasn't just her. It was a couple others. They were just like, they're okay. like, no, we love our characters. We are in love with these characters and in love with this story. Can we don't start thinking about the end yet? And I know what you would say here, Gary. I know well enough now in the last eight or nine months, I know what you would say. You would say, end it now, end it on a high note, end it right before. And I get that. And I know how to do that, by the way. I know how to end it and still leave them wanting more, but still leaving them fulfilled. I've ended many campaigns. Um, but in this case, I'm going to listen to them. Right. And so my Saturday session was – all their ideas and inventiveness and we just ran with it it was what 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 is this what did you see what did you do? i've gotten so player centric i was looking at the guy flanders right. guy flanders had one of his uh, deals on last week he was talking about the four types of campaigns i don't know if i agree with his parameters but he was talking about uh the epic the open the player and then the accidental those those were the four that he used when i say that terminology we all kind of understand what it means I don't know if I agree necessarily with those types of parameters. I think there's different variances and mm -hmm. uh, I do run a player campaign. I run flat out, hands down, always have been very 
uh, player focused. Um, I've gotten even more freedom into the player piece in the last six months. No coincidence because you guys have allowed me a sounding board to, to start thinking out of the box and my player satisfaction and fulfillment is just going through the roof, like more and more every session, both my veterans and my rookies alike are just like, man, we are all just killing it. Like, my buddy, he texted me, he said, he said, the girls, he goes, the girls were A-level role players on Saturday. All of them. Right. They had huge scenes. He goes, we, that's the best they've ever done. He said, I'm used to always having to carry the role-playing weight. So if I started changing systems or started talking about, hey, I want to try this. and so, No, nah, man, I've nurtured and stoked a fire. I want to keep that burning. And because for them, it's new. They are new players. We are jaded. We are cynics. It's in our nature. That's why we're fucking DMs or GMs. Because we've seen it all, played it all, heard it all. We just try to find a new way to put a, a spin on it. So it feels fresh. But for them, it's new. It's fresh. It's all cool. They're getting, you know, see, it's just, it's just one of those. I've been told that. I've been told that more <laughs> times like than I can ever possibly find. Only, only, only you, Gary, would say that. <laughs> I think you have a problem. I think you enjoy people too much. You're welcome. <laughs> just, it's just listen, man. You're so worried about everybody else. No, I, I understand what you're saying, and I think for you, I mean, here's the thing. I, I think that there are some people that do have, and, and I'm not saying this is you necessarily. But I think there are people who develop an emotional no attachment I don't to disagree. the name or the product, as opposed to developing an attachment for the the hobby as a whole. You know what I mean? And I think there's probably more of those people now, like more than ever. Like there's never been more games, more different kinds of systems, settings, etc. Yet, you know. Dungeons and Dragons, man. There's never been more people playing Dungeons and Dragons. And it is kind of one of those things where, like in the comic shop, right? You go to, you go to buy comics. If Marvel is kicking ass, everything else totally. kind of rises, right? Like indie books start selling better. DC books start selling better. But as soon as Marvel stops kicking ass, comic sales flatten out. You know, it's kind of, you know, all ships, rising tides, all that kind of good shit. Um. Yeah, so I think for you that fits because I think maybe you do have a bit of an attachment. You know, it, it is, and it's not even nostalgia. It's just, it's it's like chicken fried steak in Texas, right? It's like, I know that, I know what that is. You know, I like it. It's good. Um, for me, switching systems, getting veteran players to be new players again, even if it's only for a session or a short campaign, um, I think it increases their how do I say this we because of our position where we've, we've taken on kind of we lead these games right we are in charge and it also that leads us deeper into the game that we're playing and it has us looking outside of that I think one of the only ways to get a player to look outside of that is just to do it and I think after you do it 
like for example, if I have a player, let's say I was running a Dungeons and Dragons game, and for two weeks we switch to narrative dice. When we go back to that Dungeons and Dragons game that we've been playing for however long, there are going to be elements of that last game, not in the rules like we do, right, as game masters, but in the way they think about what they can do in a game, right? What the, what the game could be, these things that could come through. The same way you grab rules and put them into your 5e set, a player may develop a tick in another game that they can bring back, you know? And I also think it just increases excitement, but we've already been through that. We've been new players through, sorry, we've, we've, we've stomped this in the ground and I can argue with you forever. Usually, it would be good usually whenever it happens, to. but that's just can... me. <laughs> no, no, I was just saying he doesn't have you to. Don't he just have, needs to I play the occasional one shot with thing. us and then be like, because who ah, normally wants to change systems? Yeah, and, it's almost always the game master. I'm going to tell you that right now, hands down, money true. on the table. It is always the game master yeah. that starts looking at the other girl no, in the corner and it's like, okay, she's a redhead. All right, uh, you know, so I mean. Flame princess, right? She's that's a flame princess. Hey, yo, dude, that's it's it's crazy you say that. Well, there you go. That is gonna to this you need to start showing her you can be loyal, loyal to anyway. a system, Gary. All right, guys, well, listen. Oh. Yeah, she's gonna learn a lot about you through this podcast. <laughs> that cuts deep. Uh, I think I think <laughs> yeah, she'll go back five episodes. Uh, Gary, what's a system horn? Why are you one? Rule sets, stringent. <laughs> uh, we'll Good see. conversation. All right, guys. Well, listen. Thanks a lot uh, for hanging out with me tonight. It was a good conversation, and you know it's funny because we always. We start with something and we digress and we, we get into these places that none of us planned and it's you know it's fun to just have this conversation. I do believe I have worked out my issue. I think it was my computer. So if I do not it depends. I'm gonna try to post tonight, but I gotta put someone to bed because this kid is still up. Um, and if not tonight, I'm gonna try to get it tomorrow morning because I do think I have the problem looks. Still can't figure out compression though. So we'll deal with it. Every, anyway, everybody, thanks for joining us. Thank you guys for talking to me. I really appreciate it. And I will see y'all, hear from y'all next week. Oh, wait a second. Before we go, Brian, dude, you missed a kick-ass show. You got to come. Dude, Was it Saturday? We packed that place. I was probably 10 miles from you, and you missed it. Oh, my. Saturday playing, night. Sorry, I was uh, not headwaters. Uh, game. Saturday night, Shady Acres. We turned that place out. Ah, oh, you gotta, you know, every once in a while you gotta put some dice down. No, man. I, I do want to figure out a time when we can actually, in the you middle and I of can actually pull it off, or we can actually uh, hang, hang out. That'd be that'd be an honor. It'd be fun. Man, it's possible. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna try to make some time, some Houston time. I think we're back there in about. Yeah, I don't know about me going out in public and such and everything. Like that. I'm still gonna wait until I get vaccinated before I start really doing the so whole hard, public man. thing. You know, but uh, if you ever want to have a beer and you want to come over to hang, or you need a last minute place because your redhead kicks you out, yeah, I got I an extra you. bedroom, so whatever. You know. 
Dude, stop. Stop. I'm trying to Here's the real deal, though. She's not going to get this far. She's not going to get this far. Maybe she will. She's really sweet. She's really, I think she's really nice. Good we'll night. Find out. Have a good week, anyway, guys. Okay. Hey guys, thanks for joining us for that conversation. That was a lot of fun. You know, I don't run across a lot of new players. And I would say that most of you listening to this who run your own games probably don't get a lot of brand spanking new players either. So when we do find them, it's, you know, best foot forward. Um, And hopefully you gathered something in here that, that may help you. If you disagree, that's awesome. Go to the Facebook page and tell us that we're wrong. But tell us why we're wrong. Um, if you agree with what we said, well, that's because we're right and you recognize it. So you're smarter than the average bear. Hey guys, thanks a lot. Thanks for being here. I'm going to try to post more regularly. We just got to deal with some of these technical issues. Y'all have a good day. See you next week.